Welcome to the Touchdown Rundown. We talk about football in the NFL, and today we talk a little bit about college football. Joining Tony and I today is Campbell Jones. Welcome, Campbell. Thanks for having me, boys. Stoked to be on, talk some college football, along with the good old National Football yeah, absolutely glad to have you here. Now, normally Tony and I would recap Thursday Night Football, but we already did that on our post-game show. We hope to release those relatively regularly after Thursday, Sunday, and Monday Night Football. But instead, uh, we thought we could talk about uh, college football with Campbell. Now, uh, Campbell, you are a Notre Dame fan. How do you feel about the season thus far? Notre Dame season or just the season in general? Uh, both Notre Dame specific. Yeah, so um, obviously it's just I mean this is a little of a no one really knew what to expect. A lot of wouldn't say we like we had worse players so far this year. It's just a lot of guys who hadn't hadn't had time to play yet, um, and just a lot of a lot of inexperience. But honestly, I mean, if you'd have told me you know after watching the first game that we'd be five and one right after the bye week, I would have been pretty happy with it. I think this team will go eleven and one and probably make a New Year's Six bowl and. Hopefully win, and I think that's a pretty good spot going into next year because we're finally starting to turn the corner in recruiting, and we've got some absolutely ridiculous players coming in, and this is kind of the last cycle of guys who are like just at that tier of good to, um, you know, elite high school recruits. Um, so like the next two years will be really good. But I mean, I like it. It's, it's been a wild, really wild year. Some really weird storylines um, surrounding the team, you know, so much quarterback stuff every week to week. And, you know, the offensive lines arguably the worst in college football, which has been tough, but they're improving now after last game. So tomorrow night against USC should be fun and I'm looking forward to it, but Every week is stressful. My week was nice. This <laughs> is a nice break. I didn't have to worry about watching watching those guys. Yeah, no, I'm sure that must have been nice. Now, you guys are currently projected uh, by CBS Sports to play in the Fiesta Bowl against Michigan. Would you feel okay with that? Oh yeah, I'd be stoked. I think that'd be awesome. Um, I've you know I, I definitely accepted this year's now playoff year. I mean, who knows if you know we went out and. If this year's told me anything, nothing's guaranteed. Everyone can lose at some point. But, yeah, I'd love to go play um, the boys up north and go whoop their butts in the Fiesta Bowl um, before we go on a quest for a national championship next year. But, um, yeah, I think that'd be fun. I mean, I saw some people saying we might play Texas. Uh, my dream scenario would be we get to play Kentucky um, where I go to school. I think that'd be super cool because they're a really good football team this year as well. So, um yeah i think it'd be pretty solid all yeah that definitely could happen given that kentucky is six and one right now Uh, what do you think about the college football playoffs like cincinnati have they made a strong enough case in your opinion to merit a trip to the playoffs 100 percent um if they went out they will easily be in um they control their own destiny you know they've got a marquee win finally this year um all credit to them. You know, they came into South Bend and played a tremendous game. They're a really good football team. Um, they've got – they're really experienced. They've got a tremendous head coach. Um, their quarterback's great. You know, fifth-year senior, came back this year for kind of this reason. Um, and it's a cool story, man. I mean, they're a good squad, and it's they're on pace to be the first group of five team that uh, to make the college football playoff, and that's sick. But I'll kind of give you my rundown of – uh, teams and what I think it's kind of going to end up with. Um, I think it's pretty straightforward um, how this is kind of going to going to run down. I think at the end of the year, well, I'll give you my current top six at least. Um, the way I see it, um, I do believe that I have uh, better takes than every college football analyst out there. Those guys are morons. Um, but I got Georgia at one. Um, without a doubt, undisputed best team in the country. Um, they're holding people to six points a game. That's ridiculous. Good luck beating them. Cincinnati's number two, uh, 6-0. Great win against Notre Dame. Um, they're murdering everyone they play as well. Um, three, Ohio State. I think they've really come around since losing to Oregon. Uh, CJ Stroud started to figure it out under center, um, and they're peaking definitely at the right time. They play no one in the Big Ten. They're going to probably murder Michigan as well. Um, Four, uh, give me give me Alabama uh, for sure. Um, I like them, like them there. Five, I'm going to take Penn State. Um, 
really because I think that they're the fifth best team in college football when they have Sean Clifford. Um, I think that they'll be back and ready to roll when he gets back, and they'll definitely make him a push to the playoff. And then six, take Oklahoma. They just figured out their quarterback situation. Spencer Rattler is horrible. Um, but they, they their current quarterback is who's going to win the Heisman uh, for sure, and he's only going to need five weeks to do it. Um, he's just a bigger Kyler Murray, um, and he's pretty much a human highlight reel. And I don't think they'll win anything. A Big, ten, a big 12 team is never going to win the playoff. Their defense is nowhere near as good. Anyone who plays them is going to score 40 points on them. So, um, But I like them at six, and that's kind of my thing where it is right now. I think it'll probably end up UGA, Cincy, um, Ohio State, and then Bama could still possibly get in. They're going to have to win the SEC championship, but um, we'll see. But, yeah, that's kind of what I see right now. Now, if I gave you the scenario of Georgia loses to Alabama in the uh, in the SEC championship, but the both two teams only have one loss apiece, uh, an undefeated Oklahoma, an undefeated Cincinnati, and then a 5-1 and one Big Ten championship caliber Ohio State, which of those are you going to put into the playoffs? Well, I think that would just come down to, I think you probably have to balance Ohio State. Um, that would give Alabama the best win in the country out of anyone. Um, and then that would probably give UGA the best loss. Uh, if since he stays undefeated, they won't move from two, which would technically give Notre Dame the best loss in the country. Um, but that would be relevant. So I think both teams would make it then. I think you have to give five and one. Five and one or uh, one lost Bama, one lost UGA if they lose in the SEC championship. But you have to keep UGA in. Then if Alabama wins, right, you're looking mm-hmm. at a, a one-loss team who beat the number one team in the country and their SEC champs. Committee loves conference champions. Throw them in there for sure. That's two. Cincy, they control their destiny. They're in. Then you're right. You're down to 6-0. and Well, if you go 6-0 and Oklahoma, which or undefeated Oklahoma, that's not going to happen. They're going to drop some somewhere along the way. So they, I, it'll come down to them winning the Big 12 championship, which they likely will. Um, and it just depends kind of how Ohio State continues to play in terms of the eye test and also what Oregon does. If Oregon were to slide down, then their, their loss looks worse um, right now. But it also just it just depends on who Oklahoma loses to going out. And then who Ohio State if they if they murder Penn State in the Big Ten championship, then yeah, they're in. Um maybe you have a one loss Oklahoma team in the Big Twelve Championship, I think they're out. But Oklahoma goes undefeated and wins the Big Twelve Championship, they're in. Mm-hmm. No, I absolutely agree. Now um Let's talk about the five, the power five teams that you expect to win the conferences. So obviously, I think you have Georgia winning the SEC, yes? I do, yes. Ohio State to win the Big Ten? Uh, yes. <clears throat> Oregon, the Pac-12? For sure. Uh, and then Oklahoma, the Big 12? Uh, we'll see. Depends. It, L- less confident. Depends. I think, yeah, for sure. I mean, they're just... You just never know with them. Like, Big 12 championships are fun every year. You know, if Texas makes it back there, I like Texas's chances in a rematch. But I also love Oklahoma State. Um, <clears throat> I think their defense is actually better than Oklahoma's. And they can score just as many points as the, the Sooners. So that should be a fun game. You know, if the Cowboys win, if they win the Big 12 championship, then, then Oklahoma's toast for sure. But... No, no, that's more of a toss-up to me in the Big 12 for sure. Do you think that the Oklahoma State Cowboys then have a chance to make it into the CFP if they were to win out, win the Big 12, and beat Oklahoma? Not once, but twice, because, or potentially, I guess, once and split <clears throat> both the, the, the championship game, but then their last game of the regular season is against each other. So if they were to sweep Oklahoma and win the Big 12, do you think the Cowboys have made enough of a case to get into the CFP? Yes, if they were to split and then win the Big 12, I think they would. But I think Oklahoma State probably drops one before that. Mm-hmm. But they could still sneak in to the championship. Then then you're talking, okay, you know, two-loss Oklahoma State, Big 12 champ. Like, that's not doing anything. And it makes Oklahoma look worse. But I don't know. I think that's it's way more likely Oklahoma makes it than Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State has to do a lot 
in a short amount of time to, to make their case. No, very, very true. Now, for the ACC right now, uh, Wake Forest, they're the highest-ranked ACC team. They are currently sitting at 6-0, and and they're ranked 16th in the country. Uh, the next closest team would be the NC State Wolfpack, which I believe you're a fan of. NC State Wolfpack. Yeah, they are 5-1. and one. Uh, uh, And then Pittsburgh is in the Coastal Division. They are currently at 5-1 and one and ranked 23rd. Right. right now, it's looking like it would be Wake Forest and Pittsburgh playing for the ACC Championship. But would you default and say that maybe, you know, maybe the NC State Wolfpack has a chance of winning it? Or do you think it's uh, the Wake Forest Demons? I don't know, man. I think all three of those teams, I think it was toss-up, all three of those teams. I think Pitt is the best out of those three. But I think a loss to Clemson this weekend would definitely – it would be a tough scene for Pitt. That would hurt them a lot. I, I'm picking mm-hmm. NC State to win the ACC championship this year. I do. I just think that they're tired of finally being picked on and they're actually going to do something with their athletics for once in their career. <laughs> um, I think, yeah, I like NC State to win. I don't think Clemson's going to – they're not going to make the championship, right? So um, you're looking at a – Possible pit versus uh, a pit versus uh, NC State ACC championship, and then that's that's that goes either way, right? I mean, you can take mm-hmm. the team to win that game, and I take I, I'll take the Wolfpack in that game all day. They got more talent on the field. Uh, you mentioned Clemson. Let's let's look at them for a second. What is, in your opinion, one of the biggest reasons that they've really fallen off this year? And do you see it being permanent? Do you think this is the end of Clemson sort of as we college football fans know it? Or do you think that they have a chance to come back um, you know, next season and kind of reload? No, I think it's, it's, the end of the, it's the end of Clemson as we know it for the time being, right? I mean, uh, they're not going to be – they'll be better next year, but they're not going to go win, you know – be in the playoff next four years and win two championships in the next four years. Right. I mean, they Mm kind of, their recruiting took a big, it's starting to kind of hit Dabo's in this weird kind of midpoint of cycles right here where he just got out of ones with all of his good players. Um, He's got DJ. That's kind of like his last piece that he was just kind of, that he was left with. And then they're kind of starting from scratch here on out. So, you know, I give him probably two more years if nothing kind of, if it fizzles out, He's going to Alabama when Saban's out, um, which that might not line up because that's in eight years. I don't see Dabo coaching for Clemson for eight more years. But um, I think for the time being, Clemson's probably going to take a backseat. I think a good year for them next year would be a New Year's Six Bowl. But here's my whole whole thing with them is you've had – so you see, a, you see a normal college football team every year, right? They If they win a national championship – you know, an assistant coach isn't going to stay there for more than two years. They're getting a head coaching job or they're going to the NFL. But their defensive coordinator and their – so they had two co-offensive coordinators, all the championships they've won. They have two co-offensive coordinators. One left before the season, and now they're just down to one, Tony Elliott, and then they have Brent Venables. Those guys have been there with Dabo Sweeney for seven years. That is pretty much unheard of. So I think that it's a combination of they're a little bit lack of talent, um, the offensive scheme is downright atrocious. Um, the coaching staff, I think, is getting a little stale. Um, I think there just needs to be a little bit of breath of fresh air in the program right now, which is just crazy to say after all that they've done. And then DJ, like, you know, no one's really talking about or really giving many opinions on him. I don't think he's, like, bad. I don't. Think, I, mean, I just think it's tough tough shoes to fill this year. And then their, their best receiver, Justin Ross, who was an absolute game-breaker his first two years, came back from brutal neck-slash-back injury last year, and he just doesn't have it. He's not as fast. He's just not – they're just – they're low on talent right now in terms – and for Clemson standards, and they're just not – they're not a disciplined football team. And, they, you know, I – it's. It wouldn't be crazy to say Dabo may be losing his locker room right now, just due to the fact that it's. T- I mean, it's tough. I mean, you you go to Clemson to play for national championships, not be ranked outside the top twenty five and be a game above five hundred. Like that's not fun. Though that's not why those guys are there. And I mean, question their ability to go out and play good football on Saturdays. I mean, I definitely see them losing tomorrow at Pitt with a Heisman contender across the field from them i mean kenny pickett's a baller and can shred that defense if devin leary could from nc state kenny pickett can for sure but i just think it's a combination of a lot of things that um 
and yeah, I just think they need a breath of fresh air. They need to get their recruiting back, back up to, I mean, Notre Dame has a better recruiting class than them. It's even close. Like it's, I mean, they're, they're in a tough spot right now. They need to get some turn around or they need to hit reset and blow it up and start from scratch. Now, speaking of class of, of programs that have really dropped off, of course, I'm talking about LSU. LSU in 2019 had an unbeaten season, won a national championship, and was arguably one of the greatest national championships of all time. Uh, Orgeron, since then, has gone 9-8. and eight. He's had he's a program surrounded with off-the-field issues and officially will part ways with LSU at the end of the season. Who do you think is going to replace Orgeron at LSU, and do you think LSU is going to be back in playoff contention or is just going to kind of be a contender within the SEC? Um, no, it's, it's tough, tough to pick someone to coach them right now. I, I could see Lane Kiffin going there. Um, that's kind of my, my thing. I see, I think it's the best possible, um, scenario for them. Um, I think he can definitely bring the juice to recruiting out there. Um, I like what he could probably, probably get rolling there. I don't really know. I don't really have too many. I haven't heard much, um, any rumblings or stuff like that about where he's going or, uh, who they're going to bring in, but I don't know if they'd be contending for the Natty anytime soon. I mean, you bring in a new coach next year, he's going to need a year to get his staff acclimated and then, you know, two years for them to get a good recruiting class and develop those players. Um, I think, I think they'll probably be, you know, give them two years. I think they're back to a two loss team, maybe two, two, three years are back to a two loss team. And then maybe four years down the road, you're looking at a team who can contend with, some solid recruiting classes under their belts um, and get some talent back in Baton Rouge. But the whole thing with like Orgeron is like, you know, they won in 2019. And in my opinion, that's the greatest college football team to ever play a game um, or to ever be assembled. I mean, that team was truly unbelievable. They had eight first rounders on the starting 22. Um, and that's just ridiculous. Um, and they have Tom, they have your boy, Joe Brady, um, who pretty much coached the team. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that guy was a, a god, and it was the perfect storm. You, you get a guy in Joe Burrow who's, you know, a dog and um, who had been really working for that moment and completely changed LSU's offense. He revolutionized SEC football. I mean, LSU was like every other team in the SEC, you know, hard football, run the ball. It was everyone versus Alabama. Alabama was the only team who could throw the ball down the field. That's why Auburn's horrible every year. They don't have any passing game. And everyone's like, uh, you, you saw Joe Burrow, you know, get murdered by UCF. Um, the play that changed college football, people say. Um, and they were, you know, they brought in Joe Brady and then that team wins the championship. Joe Brady's out of there. They lose pretty much the whole team. And then Ed Orgeron's sitting there with his wiener in his hands and he's like, uh-oh, like, I don't know what to do. So, um yeah, it's just I don't. I never thought he was a great coach, and it's showing when he has no talent or coaches around him to help him do anything. Program's a mess. Yeah, I personally think Joe Brady may end up back there as the head coach of LSU, um, but I have no idea. I it it truly could be anybody, I'm, but I think that because of the Panthers' current struggles um, and a, a potentially disappointing season, offensively speaking, I think that he may leave the NFL and go back. To LSU just because why, why would you not go back and be the head coach of one of the flagship programs of college football where you the last time you were seen on the field you won a national championship as Campbell said is one of the best offensive coordinators who arguably kind of revolutionized the sport um, um, but let's move from college football to the NFL oh one more thing to uh, say, Tom I forgot oh, to add, add one name Kellen Moore someone who could definitely go coach uh, LSU um, absolutely he's gonna be looking at all sorts of head coaching jobs after this year and people are not ruling out the fact he could go down to college he would absolutely cook in college with, with um, the way that guy draws plays out but yeah Joe Brady's a good name too uh, I'm sure you're hoping he doesn't go I I, I don't even Dude, I need that guy to stay with the star in his chest for uh, until time is over. I want that guy to be our. I think they should fire McCarthy now and promote Kellen Moore. But um, <laughs> I, I would love that. But um, yeah, uh, those are. I think those three names are all three successful options. And mm-hmm. now I am the reigning champion of a little touchdown rundown segment called 
touchdown rundown smackdown i'm going to be judging today's debate uh tony do you want to tell us what the subject of today's debate is all right so the subject of today's debate is going to be campbell's on one side arguing that lamar is an elite passing quarterback i will be arguing the counterpoint that he is not as i am the reigning champion i will be judging the debate uh campbell you're the guest do you want to go first or second um, I think I'm going to go first, actually. Um, I was planning on going second, but I think I'm going to get out here and get in front and see what goes down here. But also, one mea culpa, possibly. I thought or I told Tony that I'm I'm arguing that Lamar is an elite quarterback. I definitely will be trying to get after the fact that yes, he is an a top. I don't know if I'd say elite passer, but top tier passer. Um, mm-hmm. But I definitely do believe he's an elite quarterback in the NFL. Top eight at worst. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, elite quarterback then. That's the, the debate. Um, okay. So go ahead. Alrighty. Yeah, so Lamar Jackson this season. Or I'll say, let, let's, let's, let's give a little just backstory of Lamar Jackson, right? You know, coming to the league, everyone's like, you didn't know, running back, running back. Yeah, uh, Chargers wanted to try running back. You know, Heisman Trophy winner. So goes out. MVP is a rookie. <laughs> that sucks. Um, he's only played in the league three seasons. Um and just let's go ahead and this year, where, where are we at right now? We're 10th in passing, you know, good, not great. Does not help the kid over here with this argument. But he's got 16, six, 1,686 yards, which is really not bad. Everyone's still kind of over that 1,500-yard mark. A lot of people are packed in pretty tight. Um, he's got nine touchdowns, and then he's 7th in QBR right now. So he also currently has more yards than 18 teams in the NFL. 18 teams in the NFL. He has more yards alone than. Um, in his third season, he is the only quarterback in history to run for over 1,000 yards in two seasons. Yes, that's running. I know. Still electric. Um, he's got the most wins ever by a quarterback under the age of 25. Most wins ever. That is ever. That is in the history of the league under the age of 35 wins. Um, that's 36 after Sunday. He's the first quarterback ever with 1,500 pass yards and 300 rush yards in a five-game span. First quarterback ever to throw for 400 yards on 85% completion percentage, which he averaged seven yards per attempt on. The first quarterback with 400 yards, four touchdowns, zero interceptions, and 50 rush yards in one game. And in first of the six – in three of the first six games this year – actually, that's four now – this season, Lamar has led four – fourth quarter go ahead drives and gone on to win them and a lot of this stuff that i'm going to argue with and continue to kind of sit on a soapbox here going forward is a lot of it's not you know i don't believe a lot of this is like statistical Uh, me and tony were talking earlier in the week and he's saying like oh historically like he's not a guy who can throw passes into windows i'm like that's not something you can like historically really look at like i mean it's just the whole point of Lamar Jackson. This, this conversation wouldn't be happening with anyone else. No one has to move the goalposts more than this guy. Just, and it's just because he's Lamar Jackson. It's just because of what he was coming into the league, right? I mean, I believe he's already surpassed Michael Vick. He's 100% a better quarterback than Michael Vick. And people say Michael Vick's, I mean, that's one of the greatest players ever play in the NFL. I mean, the guy was unbelievable, right? Like he's, I mean, Lamar's just, he's improved every year too. His passing has gotten better every year. And I mean, you saw what he did to the Colts, right? I mean, if you can even somehow form a sentence after that game saying he can't throw, like it's just downright ridiculous. I mean, I, I read you four things. He's the first quarterback in the history of the league to do. And they all involve for throwing over 400 yards in one game. I mean, a guy who's thrown for 400 yards on 85% completion percentage on seven yards per attempt is an elite passer. And he's, he's 36 and seven as a starter, like in three years. He's got the most wins by quarterback at the age of 25. Um, yes, Tony will, Tony will tell me in his part of the debate that wins aren't a quarterback stat, but, and which could be true, but you also have to look at them as – that quarterback quarterbacks are essential to winning games as much as winning games are trying to figure out a way to just to put this. You, you have 
to have a quarterback who's good enough if you want to win that many games. Um, you, you wouldn't, it's kind of, we had a podcast here this morning and we're talking about, um, you know, Jimmy G going to Super Bowl. Um, and I said, Case Keenum wouldn't be able to go to that Super Bowl on Jimmy G's team. Like you can pick and plug quarterbacks on certain teams. And if you're not a good quarterback, you can't take that team as far. And I think that objectively is a true statement, but I mean, this isn't a whole lot for me to really have to put out here. I mean, the dude's played three years. Um, he won MVP as a rookie. Uh, yeah, he's got a little bit more work to do in the playoffs, but um, the guy can throw the football. Um, you pretty much just have to watch him play to really understand that. People who say Lamar can't throw either just read a bunch of stats that are skewed against him based off, I don't know, Tony, Tony, Tony loves to use all his stats that I'm sure are going to make me look like an idiot up here, but the guy can throw the football. Um, like he just can't, I mean, he's, you watch him, watch him play football. The guy can spin the rock. I mean, his arm angles, they, they're crazy. I mean, he does some, does some stuff just like Aaron Rodgers, man. I mean, he's running left and right and he's throwing these balls sidearms and no one's talking about him, right? Oh, cause he's not Patrick Mahomes. Um, but he's an explosive guy who can throw the football down the field when he needs to, and he's going to win games and he's also clutch. And I think that has all the things you need to be an elite quarterback. I rest my case at that. Uh, I did want to just make one quick correction. Lamar Jackson won MVP in 2019. That would have been his second season in the league. Uh, Tony, why don't you present your case uh, while Campbell listens so he can prepare his room? That hurts my credibility. (laughs) All right, well, uh, starting off, I did want to say Campbell's absolutely correct. I don't use quarterback... Uh, quarterback wins for me is not a stat. It's team wins. Quarterback, as Campbell said, most important position on the field. I'm not going to argue that. But an elite quarterback needs an elite defense to win that many games. So I'm not going to credit that to team or to quarterback wins. I'm going to say he's been on awesome teams, which is absolutely true. But to get into it, uh, I do want to say Lamar Jackson is a phenomenally talented quarterback. He's one of the most fun guys to watch on the field at any given moment. I don't want to take that from him. I'm not trying to say, oh, Lamar's terrible. That much we can all agree on. Uh, My issue with the Lamar hype arises when we start to see people that say he's an elite passer. So I think he's proven to be a good passer. I don't think he's a bad quarterback by any means. He's a reliable quarterback. He can make steady throws. But I don't think he's the guy that can make the the big throw into like double coverage where only his guy can get it. Uh, I know Campbell alluded to me saying that historically he's not really the guy that can make those throws. When I say historically, I mean like you look at you look at Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers historically has made the big throws in the big moments. I would say Dak Prescott has made the big throws in the big moments. Matthew Stafford, we're seeing, can make the big throw in the big moment. I don't think Lamar does that. Uh, I he has absolutely thrown some deep balls, and his deep ball is pretty good, but. From watching his games, I've watched most of the games he's played in this year. And when he throws deep, if you want to go back and look at this yourself, whenever he throws deep, it's on a busted coverage. Which isn't, I don't want to say it's like, oh, that's stupid. You shouldn't be throwing to the wide open guy. Absolutely throw to the wide open guy. That's in, that's intelligent. You should do that. But I have yet to see him make these deep throws that are contested. I don't. I haven't seen an elite throw from him. Usually when he makes those throws, the guy's like five yards open, which is incredibly open in the NFL. He should never miss that throw. And he hasn't. He's been good on those. But through the first six games of the season, let's look at some Lamar stats. He's posted a career high 67.5% completion percentage, which is good for 12th in the league. That's not bad. Lines up as good, not great in that category. Okay. He's thrown nine touchdowns, which is good for tied for 16th in the league right now. Dead average. We'll give him, you know, questionably good. He's thrown five interceptions, which that one's kind of bad. That puts him at the ninth worst in the league. So that one's not great. So we're kind of sitting right now off those stats as, you know, pretty decent, good. I don't say he's bad. And he's thrown for 1,686 yards. So, you know, not bad at all. I think that's a respectable stat line. Maybe you're thinking he's been rushing a lot. Of course, he's not going to put up those passing stats. Well, let's look at his rushing stats. Through six games, he has 392 rushing yards and two touchdowns. That's 65.3 yards per game. And honestly, looking at that, a little bit underwhelming from like the Lamar, what Lamar usually does. 65.3 yards per game for quarterback is obviously insane, but this is Lamar. Uh, so I think that's a little bit under what he normally does, but not terrible there. My big thing is he's fumbled five times already. That's a big one. 
So that brings his overall touchdown to overall turnover ratio as 11 to 10. So he's barely staying positive. And I did find something that was really, really interesting. If we want to do a comparison, the closest quarterback comparison I can find to Lamar Jackson, this quarterback has 300 rushing yards, so about 92 less, five rushing touchdowns, so three touchdowns more, four fumbles, one fumble less. Um, This quarterback also has eight passing touchdowns, which is one less, four passing interceptions, which is, you know, one less. So he's pretty, pretty, pretty similar. Campbell, would you, would you say that that's pretty similar to Lamar Jackson's stat line? Based off blind play analysis, yes, but I'm sure the name you're about to say, there will be some sort of uh, disqualifier I can find. Okay, I if you can find one, go ahead. This quarterback is Jalen Hurts. Yeah, and I like, don't think I don't think any of us would say Jalen Hurts is an elite passer, but his stats no, are sucks. very close to Lamar's. I mean, sure, but that's like right now, and and the Eagles have played far worse teams than well, I guess than the Buccaneers, but um, than than the Ravens. Like, I mean. I, I don't feel like you can, and you also can't compare him to Aaron Rodgers. That's for sure. <laughs> um, but uh, I don't. I mean, Jalen. Like, yeah, sure. Their stat lines are like comparable right now, but that's six games into one year. I mean, I, I, I like, sure. I, I see what you're trying to get at there, but um, no one's trying to argue that Jalen Hurts is. I wouldn't even argue that Jalen Hurts is a good quarterback. I mean. It's and it's more. Yeah, so, I wouldn't either. That's more what... so the fact that. Um, all right, so here we go. Well, answer me this hypothetically: is if you put Jalen Hurts on the Ravens, where are the Ravens at right now? Mm, I think they probably would have lost maybe one or two more. Games Damn sure, well, would have lost to the Colts. Yeah, I don't. I don't think the team would be. And I'm not trying to say that Jalen Hurts is as good as Lamar. I think Lamar is better. But I'm trying to show that I don't think he's elite. I think there's a middle ground there. Sure, I don't think as a quarterback sure. he's elite. So is he is he better than Jalen Hurts? Absolutely. I would never take Jalen Hurts over Lamar Jackson. That would be incredibly stupid. Uh, but I don't think that Lamar is in the lead upper echelon of the league right now. I think that he's at a good middle ground where he can get to that level, but I just haven't seen it yet. And sure, I totally, I can totally, I, I agree with you all these points. I think this debate's cool because, like, um, it probably sounded like I'm just trying to spin this out of defeat. But, like, yeah, dude, I mean, there's, I think there's sides to both of these for sure. Like, and my kind of whole scenario is what I'm trying to get at. My big idea is each year Lamar's getting better. And each year he's continuing to close that gap and takes a step forward to becoming an elite quarterback. And I think that there is stuff there. And that, that he has shown at times that he 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 plays like an elite quarterback sometimes. You know, he while he might not all the way be there and is, you know, an elite quarterback, I think that you can't you can't not say that you wouldn't I think that there are at least twenty I, I give you twenty four NFL teams that would take that dude on their team right now, without a doubt, and have him start. And I think that should make you elite. Um, just due to the fact that, I mean, you know, guy's a winner. Um, he's thrown touchdowns. He's thrown deep balls. He's led comebacks. Uh, he's been the guy. And yeah, like, I mean, it's hard to really, but like, it is hard to, to kind of base this off of being like, well, I haven't seen him, you know, make some, you know, crazy Aaron Rodgers type throws. It's like, well, sure. Like, I mean, cause no one's going to make those type of throws at all because that's Aaron Rodgers. That's the best arm in the league. But you know, he has done it. He, I have seen him do it. And I really believe that that game against the Colts um, was a huge breakthrough performance for him because there were a lot of things that he checked in that game that people had still holding over his head, like, you know, fourth quarter comeback and stuff like that. I mean, the dude scored 25 unanswered points, literally all with his arm. Um, and I think that, that should, there's something to be said about that in his quest for becoming truly an all-around elite quarterback. Yeah, and I mean, just to your point that you said earlier, like, 
Lamar has shown that he has the potential to be an elite quarterback. He has at times shown that he is an elite quarterback, but the argument here is that is he an elite quarterback? And based off of what I have seen and the stats he's put up, I would say that he is not yet an elite quarterback. He's working on it. And when I was looking at the stats, uh, to your point, he is getting better every year. Absolutely, he's getting better every year. And I think that in the next maybe two or three years, he could start to break into that elite category if he starts to pass a little bit more. But I just haven't seen that yet, which is why I'm saying that Lamar Jackson is not an elite quarterback and hasn't really shown that consistently. At times, yes, absolutely, I agree with you. But not consistently enough where I would say, he is a factually, objectively elite quarterback. Well, it, it, the the deciding vote is obviously me, and I think I have to give this one to Tony, although I don't know if I totally agree with his, his position. I, I do think that Lamar is elite because of how he breaks game plans and how difficult he is to game plan against, but I think he presented uh, the better argument, and I think... It almost sounded a little bit kind of like Campbell agreed with him towards the end, so I don't know if Campbell's going to object to this one too much. So I'm going to give this to Tony. Congratulations, Tony. Oh, no, 100%. I, I definitely would give Tony that argument. I think it's. I think Tony has an easier side to win, for sure. But um, I, I, I like Tom's point there, too. It's like that's kind of the, my whole thing. That was, I guess Tom kind of put the words in my mouth that I was kind of looking for this whole time. It's like a lot of what I believe, because I, I believe, I do believe that Lamar is an elite quarterback. And I think a lot of it is right. Like just the fact that he's a game breaker and that he's, I mean, he's, he's going to, he's going to take, he's going to beat you. Like he, he can do it one or two ways and he's going to figure out a way to do it. And he's a gamer, right? Like he's, he's going to raise his level of competition and it raised his level of ability when the moment calls for it. And that's stuff that, you know, some people have in like Tony, Tony, the guy who's probably not going to, whether he sees it or not, Tony's a stat guy. And I'm with, and I, and I, I understand that Tony wants to see it on paper. And I believe that, but time and time again, and usually the case is once it's been shown on paper, it's been there already. But when you show it on paper, you've gone above and beyond cementing, yourself in terms of um, your ability. Now, before we go to our next segment, I do want to take our caller. Uh, hello, Chase. You are on the air. What did you want to say? I just I, I love the SmackDown. I thought that was a really tightly contested um, debate right there. Um, so happy to have listened in. Um, I, I do think, and this is somewhat of a cop out, you, you both are right in certain respects. Um, I think it it matters what you determine elite to be. Obviously, that's the fun of it. But I think Lamar is one of the better floor raisers that you have in the NFL right now. Because NFL is such a preparation-based sport, Lamar presents so many problems for defensive coordinators where a lot of his passing is aided so much by the scheme that they run and the fact that you have to account as a defense for um, a running attack that, that includes all 11 men. Um, so when you have that threat rushing the football and the way that they've designed that rushing attack, yeah, you're going to have a lot of open, open throwing lanes, a lot of open windows to toss the ball down the field. Um, so credit to Harbaugh, credit to Lamar. You can't take anything away from them. But just like Joel Embiid is in the NBA, once you get to the, the playoffs and you have a lot more time and resources to scheme up against those elite talents, you can take a lot of that away. So I think the problems Lamar's faced in the playoffs have to do with like preparation and elite defenses, because he is the best equipped to take advantage of unprepared and weak defenses of any quarterback. We have the league, but his, his inability to make throws that like have to be made in tight windows hurts him a ton in the playoffs. And so, yeah, I think that's the argument for why he's not elite. Absolutely. I definitely would agree with that. Um, so let's move on to our next segment. We're going to quickly run through the on, entire. Tom, can I, can I address absolutely. what he, some of the stuff oh, he absolutely. said right there? Absolutely. Perfect. Chase loves, love what you had to say there. And I definitely think that the, what you ended on too, right? He's got to be able to make those throws in the playoffs. And I think that, Tony, where we can find some common ground is I believe once he gets to the playoffs, like I mentioned, he has some trouble in the playoffs and he has, um, I think once you start to see him 
make those throws in the playoffs, I think that's when I think that is probably the last box that he needs to check. Definitely, in my opinion, um, to like cementing himself and people saying, "Yeah, he's an elite quarterback." Not just at times, but like that—that's really what he needs to do because he, I mean, he does that stuff every week, man. I mean, it's just different story in the playoffs, right? But he's right, man. I mean, you get a guy who can run the ball, you're gonna have way more people that are more wide open instead of people, you know, bringing safety help over on Hollywood Brown with bracketed by a corner and in like a dime package, you know, like that's a way harder throw than, Oh, here's Hollywood Brown on a deep crosser off a read option that they just ate so hard because I'm the most. Oh, I I'm I'm in total agreement. And and Tom and Tony as, as numbers guys, like, one one thing that numbers will tell you is you really can't take too much statistically from Lamar's playoff resume because it's such a small sample size. So I think we're all jaded by these big playoff games and these moments of failure, but the guy is super young and we'd have to just see more of him in the playoffs, which we will fortunately see because the, the, the Ravens just always reload and, and just are a well-run franchise that's going to put him in a position to make the playoffs here and yeah, absolutely. I do think that uh, this is actually kind of where Campbell's quarterback win stats hurts him a little bit. Because uh, if you think about it, we we established that, you know, you need a whole team to get a lot of wins. So you get a lot of quarterback wins. You break the record for wins uh, with your team, but then you fall in the playoffs. So what we know, because he has the most wins, you know, through however many years as a quarterback, is he's had very good teams. But if you're losing in the playoffs, that has to start coming down to, well, maybe your play is not going as well because we know you have the elite team around you. If you have the most wins, then what's the X factor of why you're suddenly losing in the playoffs so early? So maybe that's kind of the stat that we need to start seeing from Lamar. If he continues to have these elite teams and win a lot in the regular season, that means he has good teams. Then he starts to need to win in the postseasons because he has to elevate himself. And I do agree, that's going to come down to a lot of your passing stuff. Can you start to make those tighter throws that you need to make in the postseason as opposed to the regular season? I absolutely hate saying it because I don't like the analysis of simply do it in the playoffs. But I do think that that's right, that he needs to do it in the playoffs and that it is a small sample size. And I think Lamar is absolutely a, a quarterback who is developing to a place where he can be a quarterback that wins you a Super Bowl, uh, and I look forward to seeing it. Now, let's move to our next segment where we quickly run through our week of predictions. Uh, our first game is Chiefs at Titans. The Chiefs are a five-point favorite. The over-under is set to 58. Uh, Tony and Campbell, who do you guys think? I think I got to take the Titans in this one. So this is pretty much like both teams have terrible defenses. We know that. It's going to come down to if Tannehill and Henry can both be efficient. Because, yes, Henry, he can normally get the job done without too much help from Tannehill. We've seen that time and time again. But this is different because of how many weapons the Chiefs have. The weapons are going to be able to rack up points at a pace that I don't think Henry alone can keep up with. So this one's going to come down to the X factor of if Tannehill can suddenly kick it on, which in recent weeks, slowly he started to do. So I do think the Titans. Yeah, I'm rocking with the Titans as well. I think King Henry is going to eat on the Kansas City defense, I bet he rushes for over 150 yards on these clowns at least. Um, I like that. And then, I mean, the Titans can get healthy. Um, I really think, I mean, gosh, at least give me A.J. Brown back. I mean, the dude's had food poisoning for a week and a half off some burrito from Chipotle. Like, come on, man. Like, take some Pepdol and go take some, go catch some touchdowns this week. If they can just have a receiver play football, they'll be fine. If Tannehill, yes. I mean, give me efficient Tannehill with a good running attack. At least one receiver, and they will dominate the Chiefs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have to agree, although I am very hesitant to go against the Chiefs. But the Chiefs defense is simply so bad that I think Derrick Henry is going to be able to control the ball and you know and run it down the Chiefs. That they just do not have the defense. I think I think Tannehill is going to look good. Uh, like Tony was kind of indicating, that this might be one of the weeks he could potentially turn off because the Chiefs defense is just so bad that they're going to make him look. Good. Uh, the model currently has Kansas City as a five-point dog. Uh, Tennessee, again, this is a home team, so I am really surprised that the Chiefs are just a five-point favorite. And I do feel like that, that might be in part name bias because they just have not proved that they are a very good team, whereas the Titans, you know, they have the better record. They have the the uh, 
the head-to-head common opponent win. So, yeah, I, I do believe in the Titans here. Uh, the next game, Tony's Packers are at home against the Washington football team. The Packers are a 7.5-point favorite. The over-under is set to 48.5. Uh, Tony, I'm assuming you have the Packers, and you probably have them beating the spread too, right? Uh, I do have the Packers. I think they should clean up this Washington team that, honestly, they've been the definition of underwhelming this year. They were supposed to be an elite defense, and according to lineups.com, they're literally dead last. They are the worst defense in the league right now. It's just been absolutely abhorrent. And then you go against a Packers offense that is beginning to click more and more every single week. I just think this is going to be an absolute... Uh, we may have lost Campbell for a minute. Yeah, I agree. I think that this is going to be a blowout. I truly don't know what happened to that Washington football defense. I, I'm really disappointed in them. They were supposed to be the anchor of the team, and the, the offense was supposed to you know, be carried a little bit by the defense, to be quite frank. And simply, neither neither side of the ball has stepped up. Washington is going to miss the playoffs, and I think that you know this is kind of proving that last year was a bit of a fluke, and if Dak doesn't get injured, I think that Washington probably doesn't even make the playoffs last year. Um, the model currently has the Green Bay Packers as a 13.5 favorite. Campbell, who do you have? Uh, yeah, so I got the Packers, and I like them to beat the spread. Um, like Tom was saying, the, the football team's defense has been a colossal disaster. I didn't really understand what the whole hype was about. And then especially you know, Taylor Heineke playing quarterback. Um, that guy does not belong in the league. I don't care what anyone says. Um, you're not going to go very far with him no matter how good your defense is. Um, truly unbelievable. They almost beat the Saints last year. I don't know what type of miracles the man upstairs is trying to work out for them. But, um, yeah, I just don't think they're a very good football team. Packers, obviously, a pretty complete team, even without their injuries. Um, even even Kevin King might have himself a good game this week. That's how bad the uh, the Washington football team is, in my opinion. I like Packers. I still wouldn't even go that far. I think Kevin King does horrible against every single every single receiving core in the league. That bad, huh? Heinous. Criminal. <laughs> Can't stand that guy. All right, our next game is the Atlanta Falcons taking on the Dolphins. Uh, the Falcons are a 2.5 favorite. The over-under is set to 47.5. This is going to be a horrible game. I don't think anybody really wants to watch it outside of these two fan bases. Tony and Campbell, who do you guys have? I'm going to take the Falcons here, but... I am so not confident. Both teams are absolutely terrible. Either one could win this absolute dumpster fire game. It really just depends on who's going to show up less. I don't want to say who's going to show up more because I don't think either team shows up any week ever. Uh, but I'm going to take the Falcons and hope I get the lucky lucky side of the coin flip. I'm going to take the Dolphins just because I'm agreeing with Tony too much. Um, just because, I mean... It's a total toss-up. I think I think this game should definitely be a pick with an even line. But um, I like uh, I like that offense. I think Jacoby Brissett. Uh, I believe Tua is is slated to start. I could be. Is he starting? He uh, started last week against sure Jacksonville. Right last night. Okay. All right. Then Tua gets it done for the Dolphins, even though he. Yeah, I, I'm taking the Falcons here because, one, they have their bye week and the Dolphins are fresh off of a plane from London. So they're you know going to be at that time zone disadvantage. They The Falcons obviously have the week of preparation on the Dolphins. And the Dolphins just, they look really good. They will come out in their first set of series. You know, the first two series are scripted, of course, and the Dolphins look really good once it's scripted. But once it stops being scripted, I don't think Tua is very good. The Dolphins' defense is bad, so I definitely think uh, excuse me, the, the Falcons defense is bad. So I think that the Dolphins offense can match it. But I think Matt Ryan is just going to overpower the Dolphins defense, especially if they come into the problem like they did last week against Jacksonville, where they're missing their secondary pieces. Uh, the model has Atlanta to beat the spread. Uh, the next game, Bengals at Ravens. The Ravens 6.5 favorite. The over-under set to 46.5. Tony, who do you have here? I'm going to take the Ravens here. I do love the Bengals, but the Ravens have just been on fire. Uh, I don't think that they can do much to stop this electric Ravens offense. And then you couple that with a Ravens defense that's top 10, and it just spells doom for the Bengals. Absolutely. Uh, do you agree, Kevin? Uh Yeah, I definitely could see the Bengals winning this game. However, I'm not going to pick them. Uh, I think you get a roll with uh, roll with Marmar and uh, the boys. Um, pretty good squad right now. They're definitely um, 
definitely playing their best football. I definitely think I've seen even in the last probably two years. Um, and I think they're they're tough to beat as anyone right now. And I just don't believe the Bengals. I mean, Jam- I you know look for Jamar Chase to have a big day, but I just don't think it's really going to be enough in the end. Uh, to- All right, so I want you to think of a comp in your head to the Cincinnati Bengals. An electric weapon on offense and chase, a good running game, a hot shot sophomore quarterback, and a mixed bag on defense. Now, I think that the perfect comp to the Bengals is the Chargers, and we know exactly what the Ravens did to the Chargers. So I am going to take the Ravens here, and I think Burrow may need to rest his voice for another week after this one. Uh, our next game is Panthers Giants. The Panthers are a two point five favorite. Guy. I really don't. Thank you. Uh, I really don't know how the Panthers are a two point five favorite anywhere. I guess that just speaks to how bad the Giants are. Uh, Tony and Campbell, who do you guys have? I'm going to take the Panthers, but I really don't feel great about it. They started hot early. They've since fizzled out with the losses of CMC and JC Horn. Obviously huge. I just think the Giants are that bad where they're not going to be able to. They're not going to be able to overcome. You know, like Sam Darnold, even DJ, DJ Moore. I just don't think they can do it. Mm-hmm. Campbell, yeah, Panthers beat the spread. Darnold has a big day. Giants are the worst team. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean that that is a an award I don't think you want to win. And I actually, I don't know. I feel like you could do an entire show talking about which team is the worst in the NFC East, barring, of course, the Cowboys. For sure. Um, I'm going to take the. Uh, I'm going to take the Panthers, even though, like Tony said, I don't feel great about it. Carolina really is a tale of two teams, the first three weeks of the season and the second three weeks of the season. Uh, I think the Panthers are going to look a little bit more like the Panthers of the first three weeks of the season because I don't think the Giants have as good a defense as the Panthers have faced. I think that maybe, just maybe, the Panthers can actually protect Sam Darnold instead of you know not having an offensive line, uh, a la the Chiefs in last year's Super Bowl. Uh, the Giants are beat up on offense, so I think the Panthers' defense might actually perform pretty well. And, of course, we have our new weapon in Gilmore, so that'll be a fun one to watch. It's his first game as a Carolina Panther. Uh, the model currently has the Panthers as a five-point favorite, which whew, uh, we'll have to see if that one changes at all on game day. <laughs> uh, our next game is a game that is equally as distasteful as some of the others we have talked about. It's Jets at Patriots. I don't think anybody wants to watch this, and I think you really only need one word as an explanation as to why you think the Patriots are going, oh, shoot, why the Patriots are going to win this? I mean, if the Patriots are going to I'm kidding. It's the Patriots by a mile. Tony, I'm sure you agree. Yeah, I have set in my notes right here. All my notes say is just Patriots for a plethora of reasons. There's too many reasons, and we don't have enough time to talk about them, but the Patriots should sweep this one up. I like the Pats by two touchdowns. Mac attack, baby. I think this one could has the potential to be closer. Zach Wilson on a bye, um, of course, because he played uh, in London two weeks ago against the Jets. I think that that might help. But yeah, I think it's the Patriots. I'd be really surprised if the Patriots let this one drop. And they really need this one, to be quite honest, to stay in any shape or form of playoff contention. Uh, let's move to the 405 window. We have the Eagles at the Raiders. The Raiders are a three-point favorite, and the over-under has been set to 49. This is an interesting one just because we've been talking, we talked a little bit about Hurts, and let's see if we think he can overcome the Raiders. Uh, I don't think so. I'm going to take the Raiders, but I think it's going to be a good one. I don't see the Raiders being as dominant as they were last week, but I do think they stay good enough to at least beat you know a team like the Eagles. Yeah, I like the Raiders in a close one. Uh, Eagles don't have enough uh, enough juice in that secondary to to hold uh, to hold Derek Carr to anything uh, anything low enough for them to have a chance in this game. Although I do think it'll be somewhat close. I think Jalen Hurts does have a pretty solid day. Um, I probably was a little harsh on him earlier. I think he is. Uh, he's not. He's not that bad. Bad situation for him right now. But um, yeah, I think uh, like Raiders by a touch. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I, I don't think that this is going to be a blow by any means. I think that the Eagles can keep pace. I do like their offense when it's not playing Tampa Bay, but that's just because Tampa Bay has such a good defense. Uh, but I think I think that the Raiders' defense is just a bit better. They can apply a little bit of pressure. They have the better secondary, which really is saying something about how bad both of these teams' secondaries are if the Raiders have a better secondary than you. Uh, the model has Philadelphia as a six-point underdog. 
the next game in this horrendous uh, four o'clock window, Lions at Rams. The Rams are a fifteen point five favorite. Whew, that, that that's a bit of a high spread, Tony. Do you think they can clear it? Uh, uh yeah, I I think they can clear it. Uh, I have in my notes Rams by a million at home against the poor Lions team. No question. This should be a really really easy one for the Rams. The only reason I don't see them uh, clearing the over or clearing the spread here uh, is if they just like rest some starters or something. Like if they really just want to take like if they if it gets to halftime, they're up by like fourteen or something. They might pull a couple starters here and there just because. Uh, that's the only way I see them not. Giving the boys from Detroit to cover, I love it. Um, I don't think they're going to win, obviously. Um, but I, don't know, I see a little bit of a storyline here. Give me Jared Goff coming back home, sticking it to, to McVay, having a pretty good day. Give me like three touchdowns from my boy Jared Goff. I think they keep it within 14. Um, but, yes, like the Rams, definitely Super Bowl team right there. Um, uh, I, I'm with Campbell, actually. I think that the Lions – it. They're a scrappy team. I believe they're three and three against the spread, so they stick around. I think they're a little bit undervalued by Vegas. They are the only winless team, so I think they're going to be hungry for a win. Goff, of course, is going to be hungry to beat McVay, but I think at the end of the day, they stay a little bit hungry for just a little bit longer. The Rams are going to win this one, but I think the Lions are going to be able to stick around and keep it sort of close. I mean, fifteen point five. You know, you can keep it close within fifteen point five without actually being close. Um, but I'm taking the Rams. The model currently has Detroit to lose by 17, which is <laughs> that's quite a margin. Uh, the next game on this terrible, terrible four o'clock window is Bears at Buccaneers, with the Bucks being a 12 point favorite. Uh, Tony, I know you wrote an article on this one. Who do you end up? I was really happy to see that I got this article this week because it was just an easy one. Bucks by a million at home against the poor Bears team, no question. This should be one that they cover pretty easily. The Bears haven't shown to be anything special so far. The Bucks have had some scarily close games in some in some games that they shouldn't have, but I think they clean. I may sound like a moron here, but I like the Bears this uh, this game. Um, you know, contrary to popular belief, I think the Bears are probably better than um, a lot of things. They are extremely. Um, incapacitated due to a head coach with a low IQ. But I think uh, he gets out of Fields' way this week, and I think that they take some some stuff with them from the fourth quarter. Fields shows some good stuff. I think he can be the guy out in Chicago. I think they put some stuff together, and I think they hang in late and get a, get a late touchdown, late, a late fluky touchdown to knock off Tom. He never wins this many games in the year. He's going to drop – they're going to drop a couple games a year. Why not win? My only hesitancy in saying that this is one they drop is that we saw Fields really struggle against an offense, excuse me, a defensive front in the uh, the Cleveland Browns, and I think that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers arguably have the better front, so I think they're going to be able to pressure Fields. I think they're going to uh, to force him to make some bad throws. The ob- the only obvious weakness of the Buccaneers' defense is their secondary, which is very exploitable. But I think Fields is just not going to be able to take advantage of it because he won't have time. I think he's going to be doing a lot of running and throwing it out of bounds. Uh, the model currently has Chicago as a 19-point dog, which is incredible, I think. Uh, the last game of the 405 window is Cardinals and Texans. The Texans are a 17.5-point dog. Uh, the over-under is set to 47.5. Tony, I know you probably have, as you did with the Bucks by a million and the Rams by a million, because comedy comes in threes, you have the Cardinals. Um, well, just like you said, comedy comes in threes. When I was going through the script and looked at all three of these games, I was like, well, this just writes itself, doesn't it? Cardinals by a million at home against the poor Texans team, no question. Uh, they should They should cover this one. I'm not. I'm not super high on the Cardinals because at some point they're going to lose. I don't think this team remains undefeated. Uh, I'm not thinking it's obviously going to be this week. Uh, But I do think that they start to fall off at some point here soon. Uh, Yeah, my only question. uh, Sorry, go ahead. Oh, go ahead, Campbell. Go ahead. Uh, Yeah, Cardinals. uh, Cardinals Cardinals by 20. Uh, Big day from Kyler. Uh, Texans are. Yeah, I was going to uh, agree with Tony. I'm definitely going to agree with Campbell. I don't think the question on this one should be, will the Cardinals win? It's more of a question of how many yards are four more, 
former Texans players going to get against the Texans. I think DeAndre Hopkins is probably going to light up the Texans. And I think J.J. Watt, he might actually pick up a sack or two against his former team. Oh, this um, um, all right. perfect segue into my J.J. Watt take. The perfect segue. Right, go ahead. He will have zero sacks, and here's why. Because J.J. Watt has never been and or never will be the player that everyone puts him up to be. Yes, is he a Hall of Famer? But here's my comp with him. Kind of that Russell Wilson kind of thing, in term, not in terms of skill. Not, not, not even close. People are probably going to flame me for this. I don't care. I don't care what this says about anything. But he's always been way better and looked and perceived as way better just simply because of who the guy is. I mean, he has not been dominant at all in, like, the last four years. Like, he will never even be as close to as good as his brother will be. And he's not even nearly as close to his brother as right now. When you compare their careers at the end of the day, they are not even going to be in the same breath. And I predict J.J. Watt will have zero sacks because he's just on the field Yeah, I mean, that's definitely an interesting take. I don't know if I would totally agree with that, but um, I don't think you're wrong. I think that he's just... The reason I wanted to include him getting a sack in this one, like you said, is because he actually doesn't have a sack this far through the season. And I agree. I think he was probably more of a culture bring-in. Like, right, you want to bring him in to be a leader among a really young team and kind of lead a defense that struggled last year. So I think it'll be interesting to see if he gets a sack. And it's kind of something I wanted to point out and to be on alert for. But yeah, I could very easily see him not getting a sack because... Uh, he's definitely not in the peak in the peak of his prime. He's 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 in by no means an elite caliber player. I think you're right in that he is you know, right now a name brand. For Campbell's take right there, I actually don't hate it. Uh, JJ Watt obviously had that pretty elite stretch from 2012 to 2015, where in that time he had like 70 sacks or something like that. Like that portion of his career right there kind of made him who he was. But since then, he hasn't really been able to do that. Granted, he has been injured quite a lot. So I do think that a healthy J.J. Watt continues that streak uh, for maybe another year or two. I think he's absolutely elite. He's a Hall of Famer, 100%. But the past couple years, I do agree with Campbell. He has been a little bit lackluster, from you know, especially from that streak that he had back in the 2012-2015 era. 100%, dude. He's literally built his career off of three years of good football. And there is something to be said about being injured. Your best ability is availability. It's just a fact of the NFL. And if you got an injury, boo-hoo-hoo. Like, it's just the way it goes. But, dude, like, yeah, I mean, he's – like Tom said, he's going to have a sack this year. And, he, and you know, if, he, if they brought him in for culture, dude, make him a coach, man. I don't know. What, I mean, there are there – are, there are, I mean, there's so many guys that you can put on your defensive line instead of him that would make your team better, without a doubt. Like, not even, no question. I mean, he's he's old, battling lingering injury effects in the last four years, and he's not fast anymore. Like, he's, I don't understand why he's on the field. Really, I, I don't get it. I don't think he should. He should be. I do think that they brought him onto the field. Uh, and you also have to consider that J.J. Watt has also been taken – he's taken more double teams over his career than I think probably anybody else in recent memory. So he doesn't have the sacks over the past couple of years. He's aging. But even when he doesn't show up on the stat sheet, he has taken a lot of double teams that have freed up a lot of other guys. So he's not himself getting a lot of stats, but he's making it a lot easier to get those stats for other guys and is making the team around him better. He, I, I do have to say he's a – awesome locker room presence uh just as a player just being there he's such a good leader so you kind of have to take that into account as well i do think it was a great pickup by the cardinals but he's obviously not in his prime mm. uh, it would appear I, I stand corrected uh espn is saying that he does indeed have a sack and had a sack um, against the Browns. I did not recall that, so my apologies to everyone. I guess the question then is, can he add to that sack total? Or will, like, I, I would imagine it would likely stay in the single digits for the course of the season. Um, but that is neither here nor there. Yeah, Let's I move on to the next than, one. I bet he doesn't have more than four. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Sunday night football matchup is Colts at 49ers, two teams that are struggling uh, below 500, if I recall correctly, and desperately need this win to stay in their respective playoff races. Uh, Tony, who do you have? 
I'm going to take the Niners in this one, but the Colts are not out of it. The Niners so far rank better offensively and defensively, but it's not by a crazy wide margin. So if the Colts do end up like showing up big time, this is a winnable game. Mm-hmm. Uh, give me the Niners. Trey Lance coming out party. Uh, make Carson Wentz look like the bum he is, baby. Just, I mean, yeah, I, 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 I totally buy a stake against him just because of his past allegiances to the Eagles. But I like the 49ers in this one uh, for sure. Better better team. With- uh, I believe Jimmy G is expected to start in this one. Um, with Are the, you kidding me, Kyle Shanahan? With Lance. Lance is uh, injured right now. Um, Kittle is also on the 49ers enough. Uh, Kittle is also on the IR, so I'm with Tony. I think the 49ers should win this one because they have the home advantage because they're the West Coast versus East Coast. They have the advantage there as well. Um, and I do think they are the slightly better team. They should be able to pressure uh, Colts, but I uh, excuse me, pressure the Colts, pressure Wentz, uh, and I expect the 49ers to win this one. But because I think it'll be close, I have the Colts covering. Uh, the model has this one as being really close to a toss-up. It's 42% Indianapolis, 58% 49ers. That translates over to about a spread of plus three. Uh, the last game of the week is Saints at Seahawks. This one is not going to be as fun with, the, of course, the loss of Russell Wilson. Uh, he was out for about four weeks with a finger sprain. Uh, or I believe, was it a break, guys, or was it a sprain? I think it was a sprain. I'm not 100% sure. Uh, okay, that was a sprain. Time? Uh, Ru- Russell. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. He sprained uh, some ligaments in there. Uh, okay, yes. Uh, I believe he is. It is a a hand injury of some sort that he is out for. Um, so this one's not as exciting as it could be. Tony, two. Do you have? I'm gonna take the Saints here, but I'm nervous about it and. This might be a stupid reason, but we talked about it last week. This is the reason why Saints have lost every single game they've played on an even week, and they've won every single game they've played on an odd week. And this is a very easy one to lose again. So I'm going to take the Saints, but I still believe that they could lose this, but I believe in them more than a Seahawks team without Russ. I'm rolling Seahawks. Geno Smith's going to be hungry after last week. Should have won that game. I think he proves him everyone wrong again. I like I like Geno Smith. I think he get it done. You know, you never know what you're going to get from uh, Jay Bell Winston. So, could throw three touchdowns, could throw four picks. I think this could be one of those weeks where he throws some interceptions. The only reason I'm going with uh, the Saints in this one is just because I believe in their offense more than I did the Steelers' offense. Even the Steelers' offense walked in some points against Seattle. Uh, because their defense just isn't that great. Uh, I do think Gino could have a good game, but I think that I just trust in the I trust in the Saints being able to exploit Seattle's defense and the Saints defense being able to give Seattle some problems. Uh, the model currently favors New Orleans by nine. I'm expecting that one to change, of course, as injuries and injury reports come in. Uh, I believe the Saints. Uh, I think the Saints. I think the Saints should win this one. All right, that's Tom, our show, like everybody. This. Thank just you so in, much. Uh, just in, Saquon. Saquon's out, so Hammer Panther spread for sure this weekend. Sa- Saquon is back out. He is not playing. Let yes, me give sir. you. Let me give you the real time adjustment. Then, if you will, just give me a moment. Let me see. I believe I. I believe I had him in, but I'm not too sure. Nope, I already had him out. That was uh, accounted for by the model and giving the Panthers that five point edge. Um. So anyway, thank you for tuning in, everybody. We will see you on Sunday night where Tony and I will probably break down uh, the Sunday games and and take a look at that and maybe preview a little bit of Sunday night football. Uh, but until then, we will see, see you next time. time. Thank you, guys, and thank you, Campbell.